Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line 601 879 Four three nine five again six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, packed, uh, backed by world class IT experts who live right here where you do in C Spire country. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. We start the show today on a little bit of a bummer. Uh, actually, a lot of a bummer. Uh, sad news. Unfortunate news. The greatest of all time in terms of punting, Mississippi native Ray Guy has passed away. The Southern Miss family is mourning the loss of uh, one of its, uh, maybe its favorite son. Uh, Ray Guy has been dealing with lengthy illness and had recently been in hospice. Uh, Considered by many as the greatest punter of all time, Guy took the final step of his football journey when he was elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2014, the first ever punter to be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hang time became a phrase because of Ray Guy. They started. There was even a window, and I don't really do this anymore, but you remember the window in the 90s where they would like put the hang time clock on, yeah. on the screen? Yeah. Ball gets kicked away, yeah. and it was like, you know. That one with a 4.13 second hang time. That was because of Ray Guy, because he kicked it so high, so majestic, so far. He was a uh, first-round pick, 23rd overall by the Raiders, taken by Al Davis. Probably not many other owners that would have taken a punter number one overall, but just part of the uh, kind of the firsts for Ray Guy. Tied for the fifth longest service with the Raiders, was on the team from 1973 to 1986, six-time All-Pro selection, seven-time Pro Bowl, 
Played in 207 games during his 14-year NFL career. He appeared in three Super Bowls, marking the most victories by a punter in NFL history. Super Bowls 11, 15, and 18. I, I do think, I don't know why I feel like it's necessary to do this. Pro Bowls are fine and good and well. But when you see six-time All-Pro, that that is that is the NFL equivalent of first team consensus All American, and Ray Guy was absolutely the best. Almost half of the time that he was in the NFL, he was selected as the best punter in the league. What? We 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 did a show, Porky. This may have even been before you were around in Hattiesburg years ago, and we were set up in the club level of the football stadium. And Ray Guy sat down with us. And I vividly remember the interview. We talked about fishing. We talked about punting. We actually talked a lot about baseball because I think that's a piece that a lot of people don't know about Ray Guy. He was an exceptional baseball player. And I can honestly tell you it's one of my favorite conversations with a guest that we've ever had. He, he was just an entertaining guy. He was uh, humble. He was... Um, down home, I think is the way I would describe it. He, he he knew where he was from. He was proud of where he was from. He was content with who he was as a person. Loved the outdoors probably as much as he loved sports and just a, a prince. So John Madden, former Raiders head coach, pro football Hall of Famer himself, said Ray Guy was the best punter I've ever known when we first drafted him. It was a heck of a choice. I thought then he could be the greatest in the league, but I changed my mind. I think Ray proved he's the best of all time. Thompson, Georgia native, uh, member of the Bay Area Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, the National High School Sports Hall of Fame, the Southern Miss M Club, the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, and the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. Man. That pretty much covers it. My favorite his part. Senior year, his senior year at USM, he was an All-American defensive back as well. Yes. And set a school record, which still stands to this day, eight picks in one season. It's incredible. What were you going to say, Borky? My, my favorite part about his bio is actually uh, high school. I'm just going to read this to you. He was a four-sport star playing quarterback, safety, linebacker, and tailback, aside from his kicking and punting duties. Uh, duties. He led Thompson to the Georgia Class A State Football Championships in 67 and 68, averaged 50 yards per punt in 68. Playing basketball, he scored 39 points in a Thompson basketball game the day after the 68 State Championship football game without practicing. <laughs> in baseball, he pitched a 15-inning scoreless game for Thompson in the state playoff semifinals in 1969. Arm usage not no. important at that point. <laughs> no. Yeah, the, wow. the term goat it gets it gets thrown around a lot nowadays. People are always oh, the goat, he's the goat. When it comes to punters, there's no question to me. Ray Guy is the goat. The greatest punter of all time. You said when you were going through his bio a second ago that considered by many, no, considered by all. I don't know anyone who would who knows football who wouldn't say that Ray Guy was the greatest punter that ever lived. 
I actually think it was in the Southern Miss press release where they put considered by many, and so maybe there was just a touch of humility in there. Ray Guy <laughs> they're, carried... They're trying to be humble. No chance. Yes, yes. Ray, Ray Guy carried a, uh, a a pound of humility with him everywhere he went. But I'm with you, man. I don't think there's anybody arguing uh, that what he did was the best. And And me. the thing is, I mean... If he had wanted to go to the NFL as a defensive back, he probably could have. And if he had wanted a professional baseball career, he could have done that too. The guy was one of the greatest athletes the state of Mississippi has ever had the privilege to watch in any sport. I know Ray was also um, really special to a lot of people in and around the Hattiesburg area. Um that Pine Belt area, the Southern Miss family specifically, it's because he was just so good and so generous and and so humble. And uh, for all of those who knew Ray Guy, liked Ray Guy, loved Ray Guy, adored Ray Guy, we're thinking about all of you today. And uh, we offer up a prayer for his family. For uh, for peace and for God's grace to be with them as they go through the uh, the difficult time. Uh, that they're dealing with, and for all those who were friends with him as well. Ceasefire text line, Dan in Hattiesburg, they say he would have been a Hall of Famer in baseball if he had gone that way. I, I, I've heard people say that. I mean, I'm I'm not ready to jump and anoint someone a Hall of Famer in a sport they didn't actually play professionally. But Rick Cleveland has talked to me before about Ray Guy, and he said, you can't understand if you didn't see him play just how good he was on the baseball diamond. Uh, 1972 in Oxford, 93-yard punt. He kicked it from his own end zone all the way to the other end of the field. AstroTurf back in those days, that, that probably helped a little bit, but it wasn't just because of the field surface. Josh and Laurel says he pitched a no-hitter on the Southern Miss baseball team. Yup. Rob and Amory, I met Ray Guy and Ken Stabler in Gulf Shores. They were on a yacht, came and sat down with us and enjoyed some beverages. Super nice guy. Yeah, it, it Could you imagine have... the stories with those Ooh. two? Ooh. Hmm. My sister dated him at Southern Miss, and they broke up the day before the draft. Oh, that's okay. brutal. This old Miss girl says Ray Guy was the best. I'll never forget that 93-yard punt in 1972. A couple of people that remember that. Another one reminds us that he had a punt that hit the top of the Superdome. That's right. Okay, guys, all three of us have that been inside like that That sounds like Paul building. Bunyan, right? All yeah, three that sounds of like us a Paul Bunyan kind of story. I, I mean, or an Uncle Rico kind of story. Throw it over that mountain over there. Yeah. Just yeah, kick it up yeah. there and hit the roof. It's so far there, there, up. There are some athletes that are just truly larger than life. The stories about them are truly larger than life. Ray Guy's one of them. Yeah. Mike in Oxford sends us a uh, a picture on the ceasefire text line. This is unrelated to Ray Guy. It is a picture of George and Laura Bush outside of their home, and they say, he says, check out the grandson of George Bush. It is a young man who is dressed up as Lane Kiffin for Halloween. I, 
I, I hate to be this guy. Mike, you may know this. That picture is doctored. I'm actually friends with the family that's in the picture with the bushes. They just live in the same neighborhood, and we're trick-or-treating, and the dad has been cut out of the picture. So there you go. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Rest in peace, Ray Guy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. finally remembered to ask my wife about mac and cheese. Sorry. And? Oh, I don't know. I just sent her the text. I just finally remembered. Oh, okay. Hey, Dad asked me if mac and cheese was on the Thanksgiving menu, and I told him I thought so, but I wasn't sure, and he wanted me to check. Said that he was going to see to it that it was there in the event that... It's got to be there. No. I'm tempted to tell you yes, whether her answer is yes or not, because you were going to do the, uh, the, the crispy Brussels sprouts the other way. I mean, I'll do both, if, if it, but i got to have mac and cheese. I'll be okay. unhappy. I'll be an is, unhappy camper. Is it like the big no mac, and mac and cheese casserole type deal, or you're like just talking like shells and cheese from Velveeta? Oh, my God. You are just the worst person that ever lived. It's, yes, it's homemade. Okay. She what says that nobody has claimed any things yet, and you are welcome to make that. She said we always make some, it. but he's welcome to do it. I got it. I got it. All right. I'll so, do. hey, Dad is on the mac and cheese train. Yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be a big pan. Oh, I'll, I'll make a couple pans. Yeah, well, we're good. I'll do, I'll do a good bit of cooking. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon alongside Michael Borky and Brian. Hey, Dad, I'm Richard Cross. Glad to have you along for the ride. We've got, uh, let's see, what have we got tonight? We've got. Philly and Houston, World Series Game 5, UTEP at Rice, App State at Coastal Carolina. That's a pretty good sports night. Yeah, it is. Have you guys seen the debate today, though? Number one, full transparency, I did not watch the World Series last night because I I like entertainment. Um, But... There was a. There were eighteen half innings that were played in that game last night, and there were scoring in one of them. That's rough. That's really rough. But there was something kind of cool that happened. There was a combined no hitter. Mm-hmm. People today all over the country are having the does it count debate, and every time I listened to it and heard the argument from one side to the other, I thought, Are we really this stupid? What is there to debate? Does it count? Yes, it counts. It was a combined no-hitter. What is there to not count? Is it really a no-hitter? No, because it wasn't one pitcher. Did they have a hit? Right. I'm I'm flabbergasted. Uh, Radio shows all over the country. National ones. Well, is it a real real no-hitter? No, it's a combined no-hitter. But that's a real thing, and it happened in a World Series game last night for the first time ever. What is there to debate? I am I'm mind blown at the debate. What is there to debate? Hey Brian, I uh, Brian, hey Dad, I would like for you to um 
Two uh, days in a row. Two days in a row. We may be turning something over. I would like you to devi- define something for me, if you don't I'll mind. I'll be happy to. Could you define Go the ahead. phrase no-hitter? Yeah, that's a baseball game where uh, somebody or no, where one team doesn't get a hit. Hey, Borky, did the uh, did the Philadelphia Phillies get a hit last night? Uh, let me double-check, carry the one. No, they didn't. Okay, it was a no-hitter. <laughs> Debate's That's all over. you need to know. Yeah, the, the debate is over. Did they did they do an entire segment on one of those stupid shows today? About Richard, that? everywhere. All I mean, everybody talked about that today. Does it count? Yes, it is a a team no hitter. An individual didn't throw a no hitter, but the team did, and so therefore, the Astros threw a no hitter as a team last night. Mm. I mean, it's not the first team no hitter in baseball history. Plenty of them have happened. Yes. Uh, I just don't understand. I don't understand what the debate is. It, it, it is simply referred to as a combined no-hitter. Perfect. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Six innings from the starter. Three relievers go an inning apiece. A lot of strikeouts. Houston's bullpen. Whew. I mean, just... Strong. Yeah, it's... It, it's like just this mix of straight cheese at 98, 99, 100, and then like unhittable breaking balls. That's and the, yet, the series is 2-2. hasn't been close. Like, you had, a, you had a 5-2 game in game two. But aside from that, it's been kind of lopsided, right? Yeah. Although, it, you mentioned that about baseball. It's something that I, I often think about. With, with how good the pitching has gotten, where every bullpen's got a bunch of dudes throwing 98, 99 with insane breaking stuff and sliders that are going 92. The thing I think of so often is Major League. Debatable. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, baseball movie of all time. Everybody mm. loves Major League. One of them. It, it, it would. I think I would vote it first. But I I lean more comedy. Field of Dreams doesn't do it for me. Major League makes me laugh, so I lean Major League. But Rick Vaughn, right? Wild thing. You don't know why he was so special? Because he threw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It's like Tennessee's got four of those guys right now in college, you know? How quickly things have changed from that guy was a character in a movie, Mm -hmm. and now it's college baseball teams have that. All over the country. Yeah. Hey, by the way, Sid Finch throwing one sixty-eight though. Yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, by the way, I do need to correct from the previous segment. We talked about Ray Guy hitting the roof on a punt. Eh, not accurate. And this makes a whole lot more sense. There was the gondola, the the I guess the walkway up around the scoreboard in the Superdome. He hit that, and ah, okay. apparently. It was raised, and the scoreboard was raised as a result. He was the first to ever hit that structure, still, and it is still really high. Rare sense, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's quite high. <laughs> we we didn't lose any luster by by that happening. No. Unlike Jerry Jones's Mickey Mouse Stadium, where an average punter hits the scoreboard on accident because it's so low to the field. Yes. And the sun sets in the west, and the field is pointing west, and there's just glass. Facing directly west, where the sun hits players right in the face while they're trying to play. And they've got curtains, by the way, because they have concerts and events in there where they cover the glass. 
But by God, when Dak Prescott's trying to take his team east to west at a 3.30 kickoff and they're down by a score in the fourth, guess who's staring directly into the sun? Well, the good news is this Sunday, I don't even know if the Cowboys are home at this Sunday, but uh, it's going to start getting dark super early. So, you know, maybe you won't be dealing with the sunset in the fourth quarter of a late afternoon game anymore. Yeah, good good news? Is that is that what you said? Good news? Yeah, yeah good news, Borky. Love it when the sun sets at 445. It's tough, man. It's terrible. I mean, we were talking about that a couple of days ago. It was 7 o'clock and was pitch black. And Jane goes, you know, a week from today, it's going to be this dark at 6 o'clock. I was like, I'm really okay with it just being dark longer in the morning. Let's just let's get as much as we can in the afternoons. It'll be okay. Um, So a lot happening tonight. Of those things, are you watching the World Series? Are you watching the NFL on Prime Video? Are you gonna check out App State at Coastal Carolina. You know what's funny is the the old adage, which is true: don't compete against the NFL because you will lose. Not losing tonight. You don't think so? You think Houston Philly will draw a bigger audience than Philly? Houston? Oh, oh, that's a problem, though, Think because Philly's going to be divided. That's a big problem for baseball. And so is Houston. Yeah, but the Texans are so bad. I mean, I guess yeah. you've got the football fans that, yeah, that's... What a weird coincidence, though. That's terrible for baseball. I didn't put that together until right now. You're yeah. Especially Philly, when football, for most people, takes precedent, and the Eagles are awesome. Does it when you're playing for a championship and that's a Thursday night regular season game against the one of the worst teams in the league? If it was the clinching game, maybe, but it's just, just game five. Yeah. Can't can't clinch tonight. So I might submit to you that if Philly doesn't win tonight, the World Series is over. Probably, but they got one down there in Houston already. So yeah. we'll see. Just saying. But if they don't win tonight, that means they're gonna go win two in Houston. <laughs> True. True. And Borky will be up against the NFL on Sunday if it goes to Game 7. Not just up against the NFL, up against Patrick Mahomes. Up against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 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 Who are they playing? Um, uh, Tennessee, know. the Titans. So it's Mahomes versus oh, Derrick Henry. Yeah. It's a good game. A lot of star power. Yeah. There's, there's some star power in you there. You know where there's not star power, by the way? New Orleans. Michael Thomas, out for the season. Played in three games. So how can many I, uh, games has he played? I revise my seventeen and zero prediction. Um, not a lot. I don't know off the top of my head. Like three this year. So yeah, three so this year. So he he broke the record and signed the mega contract. Right. Then played in. So he's three years since then. Seven zero three games. It hurts when you say it out loud. And he earned the contract. Like, he broke the receiving record. But it is now a terrible contract. Still getting paid all that money, too. Hey. Yeah. Real quick, speaking of New Orleans, who won the Pelicans game last night? Yeah, the Lakers. The Lakers the at full strength. What? Was that their first what? one of the year? That was their second no. win? No. Yeah, beat a team that was missing two starters, and it took a fluke three at the end of regulation and overtime to win at home. I'm just hearing excuses. That's all I'm hearing. Yeah, thanks for the pick. Where are they? Hey, they're not even last in the... 
It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Normally, this is a voice and a face that you would hear and see on Friday afternoons, but the schedule for high school football this week is a little unique. And so Will East joins us this afternoon in the, uh, the on the Farm Bureau guest line, but inside Studio X to uh, talk some high school football as we preview the final Friday night of. 1A5A6A and the first round of the playoffs for 2A, 3A, 4A. Uh, Will, first of all, we got an invitation. Or I, I did, but I think this extends to you as well. It said, Richard, you need to come watch the Hamilton Lions play tonight in Hamilton. And I thought for a second, I was like, Hamilton Lions? Is that a CFL team? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. Hamilton just down the road a bit. So Hamilton has a running back who has the coolest name, and he's also really good. Mm-hmm. His name is, and I kid you not, this is the kid's actual name, is Kaiser Werner. He sounds like a Marvel supervillain from a Captain mm-hmm. America movie or something. Kaiser Werner. And I think he's like third, second, I, I think he's second or maybe third in rushing yards this season. And he's a sophomore. Ooh. Second or third in the state. The entire state, and he's a sophomore. Uh, and Hamilton's been scoring a lot of points this year, and he's one of these kids that can. You give him the ball like nine times a game, and he'll score. He'll run for two hundred something yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's the kind of player that he is. But Kaiser Werner, they call it's, they call him Kaiser Sose, that, isn't it? They call him Kaiser Sose. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. All right, where are we looking tonight? So final game of the regular season, tomorrow night a bunch of playoff games. Somebody asked me, or I was talking with someone last week, uh, about why it was or why this is happening. And I know it's frustrating for some when you look at the schedule, but it has to do with officiating. They want to make sure that they've got the best officials uh, calling playoff games. And so you've got some officials that are doubling up that are working games tonight in 3A, 4, or what? Four, four, what? Tonight 1A, 5A, 6A, yeah. and then we'll go over to the playoffs tomorrow night, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, that's the reason why they do it. They, there's a referee shortage. There's been one for two years now. Yeah. You know, last year we had to do this. This year they planned ahead. They knew that this was going to happen, so they planned ahead. No one likes it. No one I've talked to likes it. But the only solution is to get more referees, so contact the MHSAA uh, if you don't like it and you think you could be a referee because they hey, need Dad. more of them. Yeah, Haydad would make an excellent one. I could see him running up and down the field with his glasses on, uh, calling plays. No, learn how it is on the other side there, Haydad. I mean, you wear glasses too, Will. What are we I'm doing? I'm not saying I've got to be a referee though. <laughs> Neither well, am I. I. Say it because you're so hard on them. I yeah. think you should experience it. Well, I mean, am I allowed to leave every Friday and and go to these locations? You should. Do All right, it for then one continue game. on. Wait, wait, hold on, Will. Can, can we discuss this? Could could we possibly make this an excused absence? Yeah, why not? I I, I think this is actually something we might could get behind, Hayda. We'll see. That's not the response you were and, hoping for. And was none it? of this back judge crap. I want you out there. You know, I want you chasing down the guy with the ball. You know what I mean? 
Let's let him be a white hat. <laughs> he's got to be a referee if he's going to do it. All right, Will, where are we starting tonight? So uh, I'll just go through the regions real quick for 6A. In 6A, South Haven, number one, um, South Manolo, number two, Olive Branch, Lewisburg, DeSoto Central. They'll fight it out for the third and fourth spot. Region two is kind of interesting. Tupelo's your number one seed. They're undefeated, having a great season. They are going to play, uh, I think, Germantown. They're hosting Germantown tonight. The battle is going to be for two, three, and four. Madison Central will be in there somewhere. They're going to play Oxford tonight. Oxford can be a three or a four. Starkville could be possibly a four seed. Germantown could also be a four seed. And it's going to be a mixture of some of those. And I, I'm not going to bore you with all the the possibilities because there's several of them. Uh, and that's one of the easier ones to figure out. You've got four teams playing for three spots, essentially. But Madison Central is almost guaranteed a spot, and Clinton is in there. They're more than likely going to be the number two seed. Okay. In Region 3, it's really up in the air. Brandon, the team that spent the majority of the season as the number one team in the entire state, could be a number one seed, because they play in the Rankin County Super Bowl tonight against Pearl. Or if things go wrong, they could drop all the way to a three seed. An incredible fall. I mean, just think about that. Pearl, by the way, is two and eight. Pearl is two and eight. But for Brandon, Brandon lost that game against Oak Grove, and then last week, Northwest Rankin's a little bit better than everybody thought they were going to be. And um, that game came down to the wire against Brandon last week. They won by seven, but it was, I think it was seven. It was something like that. Yeah, 36-28, eight-point game there at the end. It got got pretty close there at the end. Um, So Brandon has not looked like Brandon did earlier in the season. So, And it's obviously a rivalry game. You never know what can happen. Uh, Oak Grove will play uh, Northwest Rankin tonight. Oak Grove could go from being the number one seed, depending on if this or that happens, all the way to a four seed. And I'll I'll give you uh, a reason why you want to be a one seed versus a four seed. Number one, you get a home playoff game. But the most important thing is you get a better playoff matchup. If you're a four seed in Region 3, guess what? you got to travel to Ocean Springs to play the Greyhounds and Bray Hubbard. Who, by the way, beat Gulfport last week by 25, and they've got Harrison Central to close it out tonight. And they will—they're the number one seed. They're locked in. Um, and Biloxi Gulfport will play tonight for two and three. So Warren Central's in the play. Going back to Region Three, Warren Central's in the playoffs. They could be as high as number one, as low as number three. So these are kind of your scenarios for what's going on tonight in six A. Just okay. we kind of know most of the teams, but there's a couple out there, like Startville, for example, in Region Two, that have a small sliver of a chance to get in, if but they need a lot of things to go right, basically. 5A is where things are really crazy. Uh, Region 1 is pretty straightforward. West Point is more than likely going to be the number one seed. Lafayette, despite their slow start to the season, they could lock up a two seed, depending on this or that. Uh, Lake Cormorant's also in there. Columbus also is in there, uh, despite having kind of a rough start to the season. And then Cleveland Central. So just a mixture of those teams. Region 2 is completely set. Vicksburg won their first regional title since 1990. They're the one seed. Neshoba Central 2, Callaway 3, Holmes County Central 4. Then there's Region 3. I didn't get into this business to be in math, but here we are. Region 3 is confusing as heck. The team that started 5-0 and on the year has a very small sliver of a chance to make the playoffs. The team that started 4-0, I'm sorry, 0-4, 
is the team that's the number one seed. Hattiesburg started the season 0-4, had an incredibly bad loss to a, a not good Meridian team, and they ran through the regional schedule and all of a sudden are the number one seed. Uh, Florence, the team that started 5-0, and has a very small sliver of a chance that they're going to uh, make the playoffs. Very small. And by the way, we won't know tonight... And we won't know Friday night what's going to happen in this region. we got to wait till Saturday because the 101st edition of the Battle for the Little Brown Jug between Hattiesburg and Laurel takes place on Saturday. And Laurel, who plays in that game against Hattiesburg, can either be a number 2 seed or out of the playoffs, depending on what happens. It's a crazy mix-mash of things. Oh, and then you've got Wes Jones playing um, uh, Wayne County tonight. And if West Jones wins by five or more points over Wayne County, then that could mean a couple of things. If they win by five or less points or lose, that could mean a whole bunch of other things. So it's just kind of kind of all over the place, and it gets complicated, basically. Well, one other piece of news as it pertains to high school football, and we may take a peek at those playoff matchups that are coming up tomorrow night uh, as well. We got the announcement of the new regions. Next year, we will go to a seventh classification, and Region 2, probably the most difficult region in the state, and yet there are only five teams in Region 2 going forward. You've got Clinton, Germantown, Madison Central, Starkville, and Tupelo in Region 2. Region 1 is made up of DeSoto County and Oxford. DeSoto Central, Hernando, Horn Lake, Lewisburg, Oxford, and South Haven. That happens because South Panola will stay at 6A. Mm-hmm. you got those DeSoto County schools that have grown at such a rapid pace. The Oxford School District has grown. grown. There are over 1,000 students in Oxford now in the high school. And so uh, Region 3, kind of what you expect. Brandon, Meridian, Northwest Rankin, Oak Grove, Pearl, Petal, and then on the coast in Region 4, you get Biloxi, D'Iberville, Gulfport, Harrison Central, Ocean Springs, and St. Martin. I think it'll be okay. What they're, what you want them to avoid is what we have tomorrow night in 4A, 3A, and 2A playoffs. Namely, there are not one, not two, but three teams in 4A, 3A, and 2A playoffs. Three teams, three separate teams that have one win that made the playoffs. And they that happened because they're in these regions that have all of five teams, and if you beat that, that fifth team and you have no other wins on the schedule besides that one, you make the playoffs automatically. That's what you kind of want to avoid. A couple of things that stand out. St. Martin is the smallest of the 7A schools. Center Hill also in DeSoto County, biggest of the 6A schools. West Harrison, the smallest of the 6A schools. Clarksdale, the biggest of the 5A schools going forward. We'll talk more high school football with Will East coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I want to 
correct something I said right before the break when I was talking about the largest school and smallest school in each classification. I was looking at that list wrong. I was not looking at enrollment numbers. I forgot that they were sorted by region. So you had region one, two, three, four. So the largest 7A school is DeSoto Central. 1,553 is their enrollment. That's 11 students more than Tupelo. The smallest 7A school is Lewisburg, 960 students. Hancock is the biggest 6A school, just in uh, a little bit in front of West Harrison and Pascagoula. The smallest 6A school is Vicksburg. But the interesting thing about that is Vicksburg is now in the same region as Warren Central. Well, it's something we were talking about at the break, and Brian Haydad told us, he said, that's what he grew up with, yeah. but obviously they've been separate in years past. That's that that. That's going to be very interesting. That'll be one of the more fun regions next year because you've got Neshoba Central, who's been pretty good lately, uh, Ridgeland, who's been really good lately, Vicksburg, and then Warren Central, uh, and then Columbus, who's gotten a little bit better, um, and then Callaway, who's who's going to make the playoffs as a three seed this year. Yeah. So that's a very interesting uh, region for next year. Um, that looks to be pretty fun. Um, and looking at six A right now. It's it's clear to me that um, the, or the six A for next year I'll, I'll say it's clear to me that that's going to become very competitive. You know, in five A, uh, which was the second largest classification um, up until next year, it's been Picayune, it's been obviously West Point, who's been to six straight five A state championship games, and then West Jones and a couple other teams here and there. But really, it's mm-hmm. been you know, West Point and Picayune, and then you know a couple <clears throat> others. It's going to get a lot more parity with Picayune in that 6A next year, uh, West Jones in there, then you'll add Warren Central, Vicksburg, who's gotten better and better. South Panola's in there now. South Panola will not be in the largest classification anymore. They're going to be a 6A with this new addition, this 7A that's being added. So that's pretty interesting. But back to the games that we have tonight. Another one, the the game that I would really want to be at tonight, if I could be at any game, would be in Picayune. Picayune taking on Gaucher. This one is so interesting to me because these are two of the best offenses in the entire state, pound for pound. Gaucher's quarterback, Caden Irving, has accounted for 25 touchdowns in the past three games. He has thrown for 20 touchdowns and ran for five touchdowns in the past three games. And, oh, by the way, two of those were against really good competition. Uh, So it's not going up against scrubs. And he's going to be playing tonight the most dominant team in 5A this season and last season, really, Picayune, team with Dante Dowdle and a bunch of other really good, outstanding players to me, this is going to be the game of the night, is Gaucher and Picayune. And, oh, by the way, the region title is up for grabs. Whoever wins this game tonight is going to be the region title holder, and they're going to play the, all those teams from Region 3. So um, th- it's going to make for a very f- interesting first round of the playoffs between Region 3 and Region 4. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, in th- As far as playoff games tomorrow night, because 4A, 3A, and 2A will yeah. play their games tomorrow night, there's not a lot of interesting matchups. 4A, 3A, and 2A, the first round is typically pretty poor as far as uh, matchups. You have a lot of blowouts, lopsided games. Uh, like I mentioned, you have three teams that have one win and made the playoffs. You also have several two-win teams that made the playoffs. So you can kind of tell from there you're not going to have a whole lot of interesting matchups. But one that is very interesting 
uh, to me tonight is in 3A where Morton will play at Raleigh. Raleigh's a really good team. They've got Sunterine Perkins, the number one recruit in the entire state, who's just an SEC caliber player if you watch him play. And Raleigh's a contender in 3A. But Morton is a sneaky good team. They went on the road and played at Pearl earlier this season for Pearl's homecoming, and they won a 3A beating a 6A for the 6A team's homecoming. (laughs) How many times has that ever happened? And they, it was overtime, but Morton won that game and then won a couple after that. They beat Clarkdale, uh, a really good Clarkdale team, and they took the Union to overtime. So uh, Morton's a sneaky good team, so that, that'll that be a fun one. Uh, some of the other matchups from tonight, Corinth at Ripley's interesting to me. Ripley's a really good team. Corinth's been playing a lot better. Uh, and then you've got, like I said, some more lopsided games, some of the more interesting ones as far as the contenders are concerned. Uh, Itawamba AHS will host Pontotoc. Houston will host Shannon. Uh, see, Louisville will host Greenwood. Poplarville will host Pass Christian in 4A. In 3A, Amory's going to host Yazoo County. Jefferson Davis County will host Franklin. Uh, in 2A, Baldwin is the team to watch right now. The Bearcats have one of the most mm-hmm. prolific offenses in the entire state. They're going to host East Webster tonight. And you've also got Walnut at uh, Upor and then Nanawaya at Scott Central, who's the defending 2A state champ. So that's kind of a rundown of what we have tonight and then tomorrow night. 2A, 3A, 4A playoffs begin tomorrow night. Final game of the regular season, 1A, 5A, 6A happening tonight. No preview show, but you do have the high school football scoreboard show from Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Companies tomorrow night starting at 10 o'clock and going until 11.30. They will have a ton to talk about. Will East, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Coming up next, we'll go back to the Farm Bureau guest line and visit with Wes Rucker, who covers the Tennessee Vols as they get set for Georgia this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line right now. Check out favorites.com and uh, go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Wes Rucker joins us. You can follow Wes on Twitter at WesRucker247. He is a, uh, he's been covering Tennessee for a long time and uh, does a good job with that. Wes, I was thinking earlier about rivalries, and, and this clearly is one between Tennessee and Georgia, and the stakes may be as high as they've ever been, but in terms of kind of ranking rivalries in terms of vitriol and you know, competitiveness, where does this one rank? How much do Tennessee fans hate Georgia? How much do Georgia fans hate Tennessee, et cetera? Well, none of them like each other, if, if that's the easy answer. But but in fairness, this has always been, you know, excuse me, one of the biggest questions about 
Tennessee as a program is is that Tennessee as a state, if you've ever seen it, it's just kind of oddly shaped and in the middle yeah. of a bunch of stuff. And, you know, eight states border Tennessee, which is crazy to think about. But, but you know, even like Tennessee and Missouri are border states, for God's sake. I mean, they, you know, Tennessee borders a lot of states. And so it really depends on what part of the state people live in. Like I, you know, I was fortunate enough to cover Tennessee for the Chattanooga paper for, for years and lived down in Chattanooga for a couple years before that. And down there, it's all Tennessee, Georgia, right? Um, traditionally, it's Tennessee, Alabama. Alabama. If you live in in Nashville, um, it could be different. It could be more Kentucky. You could say Vandy, but that's you know it, that's it just depends because some people view Vandy as a big rival, and some people just kind of dismiss Vandy outright. You know, there are people who grew up in a certain age that would say Tennessee, Florida is the most important for them. The best answer I can give you is that overall, I I'm pretty sure the winner is still Alabama in terms of biggest rival because that's historically you could argue the most significant game in Southern football if you go back to the time it's been played and all that. But Georgia's certainly in the top three or so. It's certainly a big game. And and, and the, the vitriol between these teams, uh, these fan bases, is real um, because there have been a lot of great games throughout the years in the series. Well, so the, the reality is when you win games and you get deeper into the season, the games get bigger. So if I said to you, this is the biggest game for Tennessee since when, I mean, the de facto answer would be Alabama three weeks ago. But what if I say biggest game at this point of the season since when for Tennessee? Uh, this point in the season, I think you'd have to go back to the championship season of 98 when Arkansas okay. came to town. I think that was uh, the famous kind of Sterner, Clint, uh, the Clint Sterner stumble and fumble game. Um, and we're kind of a hand of God, basically, and the right foot of Brandon Bullsworth sort of helped Tennessee win a game it shouldn't have won. Um, but, you know, that, that's um, – I think that game, I think Arkansas, people forget, was like ranked sixth or seventh nationally undefeated. Tennessee was obviously ranked number one undefeated. It was a big, big game at the time, and it had major implications on it um, because at that point you had to get into the BCS game and all these other things. But uh, I think this is probably the biggest game since then. Um, But for Tennessee, it's a huge game. But for Georgia, it's an even bigger game because if Tennessee loses this game, I think the the percentages that ESPN has at least say Tennessee still got like a fifty-five or sixty percent chance of getting in the playoff. For yeah. Georgia, it's like thirty-five or forty percent. So this is a big game for Tennessee. It is an even bigger game for Georgia. But uh, you're kind of splitting hairs there. I mean, either way, neither one of these teams wants to lose to the other, and these fans don't like each other either. Does this Tennessee team, Wes? have an LSU 2019 feel to it. And, and and in fairness, there were a lot of people that, as that was going on, decided that that was maybe the best team in the history of college football. I know that's up for debate, that's subjective, whatever. But does, does this team have a similar feel to that 2019 LSU team in your mind? I mean, the, the eyeball test in some ways tells you no, but then the stats tell you yes. I mean, that, that's the simplest way I can put it is that, you know, right, that LSU team, you know, you had Burrow, who arguably, you know, a top, almost a top five ish quarterback already in the NFL. And then you had two receivers on that LSU team that are already, what, two of the four best receivers in the NFL right now. Yeah. So, so that, that LSU team was just crazy. But people forget that LSU team also wasn't great on defense to start the year and then got better on defense. Right. So, Statistically speaking, Tennessee's actually scored more points uh, than that team did, which it's kind of crazy to think about. But the the math in Tennessee games is always so broken and busted because they play so fast. I mean, Ole Miss is one of the only teams in the country the past couple years that's even been in the same stratosphere with Tennessee in terms of plays, you know, per minute and all those things. So there's just more possessions in Tennessee games, so there's more points. Um, But when you look at sort of just on paper, 
that's what this team has been so far. Now, will we will we be saying that Saturday night? Will we be saying that in a month? I don't know, but this team has surprised me so much this season that I've officially said it's not going to surprise me anymore. Whatever it does, including a win this Saturday, it, it, it might – I might not pick it, but I'm not going to say it shocks me either because what these guys are doing, I mean, it's just crazy. They they played without a first-round receiver in Cedric Tillman for a month, and their points per game went up. They played without their left tackle. Their numbers went up. I mean, they played against Kentucky, who might have a first-round quarterback in Will Levis, without their three best corners. Say that again, without their three best corners. And they held them to six points and got three interceptions. They're just doing things every week that make you say, okay, I give up. You, you guys are just really good. you got to help me understand this. So 2020, Jalen Hyatt has 20 catches for 276 yards with two touchdowns. 2021, Jalen Hyatt, 18 catches, 191 yards, one touchdown. This year, he's knocking on the door to 1,000 yards, and he's got 14 touchdowns, which is more than like a third of the country's offense. How did this happen? It happened for a couple reasons. One, during that transition to, to, to Hypo, they just had such a different way of doing things from the way Pruitt did then that some players immediately adjusted and some did not. And Hyatt just did not. He kind of, I don't want to say immature because they're kids. My God, some of them are just, you know, they're different from others. But, but I don't know that he was the most mature he could have been last year. I'll put it that way. And and early in the season, Tennessee switched up the rotation, right? Javante Payton, the transfer from the state, uh, got into the starting lineup. Tillman was starter. And then that moved Bayless Jones, who's now with the Bears, to the slot position. And that knocked Jalen Hyatt out of the starting rotation. And at that point, Tennessee was just rolling with those top three, and, and it didn't use him as much. And then, of course, uh, Hyatt starts to remove his head from his posterior late last season. He started to grow up a little bit again. And he also saw that when Bayless Jones was leaving, the slot position in this offense is devilishly fun to play. You can, you can get all kinds of numbers uh, at the slot position in this offense. And he just kind of had a great offseason, and here he is. I mean, he might be the fastest player in the country, and to see a guy – slot position who can take the top off a of defense that way it's just you know people don't know how to handle that it's almost like when the quarterback started running a lot and people didn't know how to handle it what he's doing at the slot position especially in those combination routes with McCoy and Tillman people are just losing him I mean every week people go into that and say hey gotta guard 11 gotta guard 11 and then every single week he catches at least two or three balls like 15 yards behind the defense and it's because, one, he's that fast, and two, they're scheming in that open. And now, hell, he might be a first-round pick, too. I, 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 I've always known he had the potential to be a really good player. I don't know if I told you he'd be this. Well, and the fascinating thing is, so right, you go back to the beginning of the season, and Cedric Tillman was preseason first-team All-SEC, and, and deservedly so because of what he did a year ago. And nobody was talking about Jalen Hyatt. And we kind of thought we knew something about Brew McCoy, but we weren't entirely sure he was going to be on campus because he's changed campuses like 17 times already. It's yeah. settled in. Cedric Tillman missed time. He's back now. With him healthy, if he's 100% or close to it, is this the best trio of receivers in the country? I mean, I would be hard-pressed to find a better trio. you know. And I watch a fair amount of West Coast football, too, because it's up at night. You know, Sometimes that's the most football we can see if we cover the SEC. Yeah. We see the SEC most in the Pac-12 second because we're up late, and then we're still seeing it. So... 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State's got some good ones, obviously. Um, but but I, it's certainly the best in the SEC, and I, it's got to be the best in the country. I mean, when when Brew freaking and maybe McCoy the next best three in the SEC are at LSU, right? Pro, maybe, yeah. And that's if if Butte will start playing like he's capable. You know, he need, yeah. you know when he really gets going, he's 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 a force. But he's got to do that. And and, and so, I mean, I, you know, and they spread the field so far wide. I mean, they're they've got three receivers basically standing on the sideline, and, and so. Having those three guys in that much space, I, I mean, there's no question why they're running for five and six yards of carry a lot of games because they can't, because people have to go cover those guys. I mean, when Brew McCoy is your number three option at wide receiver, you're, you're, you're in high cotton at that point. You're living pretty well. And, and, you know, when you got a guy like Hendon Hooker, who seems like he was kind of born to play in this offense, um, it, it's a really, really good fit. And it, it's what they're doing. It, it's, it's crazy how they're making good defensive coaches look like they've never coached before because it's just a hard offense to stop. Sanford Stadium is going to be absolutely just, it's going to be special on Saturday. I know we all can't wait to watch. Wes, thanks for spending a few minutes with us and kind of talking about this team. We'll catch you up with you soon. No problem, guys. I hope I could explain it a little bit because sometimes I have a hard time explaining it myself. I, I did not see any of this coming, so we, we'll see if it continues. And yet, here we are. That's Wes Rucker from uh, 24-7, covers the Tennessee Vols, does a good job doing it. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. 420 on a Thursday afternoon. That means, oh, let's stick with the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Lee Sterling joins us right now. Lee, thanks as always for your time. Tell us what's happening at Paramount Sports. Well, going to try to keep winning. It's been incredible. This is my 29th year in business. It's got to be one of the top two or three years ever. So, uh, hey, hey, stop we, for a second. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to say this so you don't have to. When we got off the uh, when we got off the radio last week, I, I'll get, even give you the timestamp. Lee sent me a text message. He said during the segment that he was going to text me. I forgot to tweet it out on uh, on Sunday. Uh, he said this was at 4:32 last Thursday, October 27th. NFL game of the week: New England Patriots minus two to minus two and a half. Let's go. So that was your NFL game of the year to this point. Last time I checked, the uh, the Patriots covered that. They did. Uh, they won. Congratulations. They what? I said congratulations. I'm sure you, you won a bunch Thank of money. You. That's awesome. I mean, I had to sweat it out a little, but um, they're up 22 to 10 and then just scored a backdoor touchdown. So we actually have our college we've never i don't know if i've ever had them back-to-back weeks we have our college game of the year going on saturday so we're going to try to move our record on these our best bet 40 to 50 unit plays the last 12 years to 55 and 18 i just uh texted you 
the game, and okay. you have it. So if you're not too busy eating a uh, Philly cheesesteak when you're doing the game on Saturday, tweet it out as soon as the kickoff. All right, sounds good. Let's talk about games. Uh, there are yep. some great ones. The spotlight is on the SEC this weekend. Mm-hmm. The uh, the maybe the three best games in the country. Certainly the two best games in the uh, in the country. Alabama LSU. That's a night game in Baton Rouge. Alabama big favorite, almost a two touchdown favorite. 13, 13 and a half, depending on where you look. Got to go into Baton Rouge into Tiger Stadium under the lights. LSU playing better. Alabama has been penalty ridden on the road, riddled, penalty riddled on the road. What are we doing here? Uh, also, two and six against the spread the last eight games on the road. Not good at all. So, Jaden Daniels, if you watched him the first game against Florida State, I even said to a friend of mine, he's awful. The difference from then to now, the last two games against Florida and Ole Miss, when he put up 45 points, Completely different cat. He is playing at a high level. Um, maybe not Bryce Young levels, but pretty darn close here. And I'm watching this Bama line. Offensive line, not impressed. Defense, not up to championship levels. The receivers, okay. Uh, I think we're going to see another ESPN cliffhanger in Baton Rouge. Alabama escapes 38-34, but this line's ridiculous. This line should be seven, eight points. Mm. So LSU comfortably inside the number. Yep. Do you like the over here? I mean, you said 38-34. Total in this game is 56.5. Yep, I do. Okay. All right. What about between the hedges? Number one, number three, number one, number two, depending on which poll you want to use. Georgia's an eight-point favorite over Tennessee. So I think a lot of people thought this line was going to come out at six and a half, seven. I thought seven and a half, now it's eight. The, the, the intrigue is just, I mean, incredible. Everyone wants to watch Tennessee's passing game against Georgia's defense. I think it's a great matchup. Now, Georgia's defense isn't last year. I mean, but they're still pretty darn good, number four in the lane. A lot of times when you win a national title, after that title, you know, it's tough to get that focus each and every week. But uh, I think they can slow them down a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to hold them. Uh, 17 or 20 or even 24 points, but this is one game. This isn't a best of five or a best of seven matchup. And Georgia's defense here, they got the players. They got some DBs and a couple guys that can get after you in space. And I think if there is someone that can slow them down, this is a team. And Tennessee's offense is amazing this year. They're averaging 45 points against LSU, Alabama, and Kentucky. If Hendon Hooker continues on this role, 21 touchdowns, just one interception. Uh, he'll win the Heisman easy here. But I think it's the defense of Tennessee that lets him down. 82nd in the land. And I think Georgia, with that offense, that power running game, they use their backs out of the backfield to catch balls. They have three tight ends that can play at the next level. I think Tennessee's defense cracks. I like Georgia, 48-34. The, the only thing I would push back on the defense, because I'm with you, right? I mean, they give up a bunch of passing yards, partly because they, they've led a bunch of games. But True. in terms of scoring defense, they're 26th in the country. They're, they're only mm-hmm. giving up 21 points a game. You, you think Georgia, though, can, can have more success than that against Tennessee's defense? Different type of offense, yep. So games are built on matchups, and they matched up, I thought, better. With Alabama, I think Georgia, when they come to play, they can punch you. If you watch that 
Oregon game week one. If they play anything like that, they'll win the game by maybe three touchdowns. All right, give me your final score again. 48-34. 48-34, which brings that big total into question of 66-and-a-half. All right. We'll uh, we'll watch out for that one. What about in uh, what about in Starkville? Another night game in the SEC. Mississippi State has been better at home than they have been on the road. This line has come down just a tick. It's now twelve and a half. Mississippi State favored over Auburn. I think we all can look at this and go. Mississippi State is a better football team. But the last time I said that to you, they they kind of stumbled in Lexington, and that didn't turn out well. So what about Mike Leach's boys in Starkville against Auburn this weekend? I I, I think that. Uh, Auburn's defense clearly can't stop the run. I mean, look at what we've seen this year, and over four in a row, they've lost 15 rushing touchdowns. I mean, those those numbers are mind-boggling. Mississippi State's offense is pass-happy, and I think they have the athletes to kind of hang around in this game. I think they can run the ball. On Mississippi State, you watch film of Auburn, they're probably thinking these kids are they're they're normal kids. They they won't have the focus like they've had on some of these other games here. Um, I think Auburn's due for a good effort. I think that Mississippi State wins this game here, thirty-one twenty-one. But Auburn covers. Okay, so thirty-one twenty-one. Yep. You know, there's an interesting thing, and we've kind of been loosely tracking it throughout the year. I don't have the exact number, but the first game after an interim head coach is named. Yeah. There have been a bunch of teams that have won outright yeah. the following week. Yeah. Colorado did it. Nebraska yeah. did it. Yeah. Wisconsin did it earlier this year. I, I don't point, know that all And, and here's why. These kids, they want, they want to solidify if they're starters, they're playing time. And for one week, I think they can get focused. After that, I rarely bet uh, an interim coach because what's happening, these coaches, they're all making calls. The assistants and even the interim coach. They're trying to lock up a job somewhere else for next year. And the kids, they're sitting there, you know, in their dorm room or when they travel to road games. That's what they're talking about. So uh, their parents are asking if they heard anything. I, it just, it's usually not a good situation after the first game. Hey, let's squeeze one more in. Let's go outside right. the right. uh, the SEC footprint. Let's go to South Bend. Under the lights yep. at Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame getting three-and-a-half points at home against Clemson. Notre Dame has been smart the last uh, six games uh, playing smash ball. They won five of the six using three different running backs, um, different skill sets. I like that approach. The problem is Drew Pine, their quarterback now, throws underneath too much. He throws to a great future NFL tight end in Michael Mayer. He's going to be really mm-hmm. good. But Pine has not been very good the last three weeks. Uh, inaccurate, 36 just for 74. Only four touchdowns and two interceptions. I think the Tigers are more diverse on offense. In the red zone, Will Shipley, he, he smells pay dirt. <laughs> and uh, the offensive line's improved, and even the receivers are ascending. No superstar, but a lot of pretty darn good receivers here. I like Clemson here. They're going to pay back Notre Dame for two years ago. I, I don't know the situation here. Maybe you do. Why did Clemson have to play the last two times in Notre Dame? Did, did Notre Dame play? I think that game was at Clemson playing? two years ago. Was it not? Oh, that was. Are you sure it was at Clemson? No, I'm not sure. It was at Notre Dame. Okay. That was DJ's first game. I don't know, but so, I dig Notre Dame Stadium under the I, I got to look at That's the future cool. schedule, but um, 
went back five years, and Notre Dame has not played at Clemson. So, all right, there, mu- there must be some future dates uh, in Death Valley. Could very well be the case. Yeah. All right, Lee. Anything special happening at Paramount Sports right now? Well, we don't call it November. We call it November. You can get four weeks, including our college football game of the year, which I sent to you uh, on Saturday. It's not a game that people, the average person, is looking at, but I think I found a really good angle, and I think it's going to be a blowout. Anyone wants to get that game, it's included in the package. Every single day we got football now with action going on. We're already off to a, a good start this week. We won on Tuesday night. We have a play tonight on the Coastal Carolina and App State game. So you want to get everything, one month of action, 297 through the Super Bowl, 597, just one place, ParamountSports.com. Lee, thanks as always. Good stuff. Thanks, Richard. Lee Sterling joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We've got more coming up with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. So I think we got an answer to the uh, the question that Lee Sterling had about Notre Dame hosting Clemson for the second time in three years. It's because 2020 was the weird year, right? That was the, the COVID season. Right. And Notre Dame participated as a full member of the ACC that year. There were 15 teams that played ACC football that season. You remember the ACC had its team schedule 11 games that season. Notre Dame went 9-0 and in the ACC. They... Um, Clemson had a long winning streak going into that game in South Bend that was uh, was snapped. So, um, well, you, you look at Clemson, and I know there are people that are not necessarily buying this Clemson team. They've won 38 straight home games, which is the longest current streak in the country. And they also are 34-4 and in their last 38 road games, which is the best mark in the country over the same time period. It's a heck of a run. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know... I get weird. Like, the ACC is not a particularly good football conference, right? It's not. It is not. There's no denying that. It's objectively bad compared to the SEC side by side. But those are still football games where another team across the field also has coaches and players that were worthy of scholarships and stuff like that. It it always cracks me up. Like, you've seen it kind of a little bit this year, you know, with Ole Miss fans. But you see it all over as, well, why, why don't. I got a text in the first quarter of the Texas A&M game saying Charlie Weiss Jr. should be fired. And I thought, do you think that Texas A&M does not have, one, good players, and two, what, a couple dozen defensive coaches and staff members and analysts that study Ole Miss's every move? Like, sometimes the other team practices... And studies film too, and sometimes you have to make adjustments. What is it, Lane Kiffin says they get paid to coach too? They get paid to coach too, and and, and then of course you know Olbis releases the video of Charlie Weiss Jr. literally drawing up plays on a whiteboard that worked in the second half at halftime. I mean, it, Clemson winning at that level 
and Dabo Sweeney rubs me the wrong way. I I really don't like. I think it's a, I think it's an act more so than it is reality at this point. All the hokey stuff and the oh, if players start getting paid, then I'm going to go find something else to do because of entitlement. And yet he keeps getting bigger contracts and doesn't find something else to do. But you can't deny the record. You can't deny the talent development. You can't deny the program that's been built. It would just be foolish not to. Yes, they're in the ACC. But Clemson's talent is better than all but four programs in the SEC, and they're on par with the other four that they're not better than. Yeah. It's a legit place. It really is. They've built so much. It, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. But you can still look at them and go, yeah, I don't think they're necessarily one of the best four teams in the country. We'll see if they get in the playoff or not. Here's a hot take with Ole Miss. Mississippi State's already played Alabama, so it's not particularly fair. Um, but with Ole Miss's allegedly super duper easy schedule, Clemson would have at least two losses right now. They would have at least two. So you think they would have lost to LSU and Baton Rouge, and who's the other? Texas A&M and College Station. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that one. Have you watched Clemson play? I think that I think that I they. Know. I think they've got an awakening coming on Saturday night. So you disagree with Lee? I do. I, th- I think Clemson has they got... They, they are about to fall back down to earth. Just this team, not the program. I, I just praise the program. This team, unless they go to Klubnik, is going to get brought back down to earth on Saturday. I think it's more likely they would have lost to Kentucky than Texas A&M. Kentucky. Hmm. They've got they got a couple receivers that are fine. Their running back's pretty good. Not very physical, though. I think that when you run up against a physical defense, he won't be as effective. But either way. I like Will Shipley. Yeah, he's he's a good player. DJ's not. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at uh, supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi stations. Bo and Indianola and Hey Dad are going back and forth on the Ceasefire text line. And here's a typical Bo and Indianola versus Hey Dad conversation. Hey, here's a stat. Okay, here's the proof that you're wrong. Yeah, well, here's another stat. Okay, this is also the proof that you're wrong. State sucks. That's how those conversations tend to go. Bowen Indianola says he honestly believes Auburn is going to crush State in the rain. He is going to take the points with Auburn and bet five hundred dollars. All right, Bowen. have fun. That is you. your money for you to please do with. As spend you it in please. Philadelphia if you want to be be yeah. our friend and send yeah. us the receipt. Bo says everyone should love Mississippi State. They will make you rich. Just bet against them every game. State's five and three against the spread this year. Okay, so. There you Which go, means buddy. you would be one game below 500 and would be in the writ. Yeah, you're, you're losing money if you've done that. What is what is boot? Hey, Dad, I will bet you boot. I don't know. Uh, when Bo talks, it's like it's like half English. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. So you're not going to wager with Bo? I know because the way he moves goalposts when we talk, I can't imagine I would ever get paid. He would be like, "Oh well, I meant that we were going to do the." I, I don't want to hear it. So no. We, we Plus, I, I, don't, I don't own any boots. I don't own any boots. Ceasefire so. text line, shoes. Bo does not know. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a pretty good message, actually. Uh, Hunter and Columbus, all of a sudden, you think A&M can beat Clemson? 
I don't think so. Clemson probably has the same record as Ole Miss. Clemson might have beaten LSU, too. It would have been a better no game. No way. Anyway. No ah, shot. No way. Clemson. I don't, no chance. No Ch- way I believe that. <laughs> no chance. No. Guys, it took a bad, a bad late hit call for them to beat Syracuse at home. A bad late hit call is what propelled them to beating Syracuse at home. Their most difficult game on the schedule, by the way, was Syracuse at home. You want to know what happened to Syracuse after they played Clemson? Notre Dame smoked them. You know, I don't mind being wrong. It's fine. I will own it on Monday if it doesn't happen. Clemson's going to get beat in South Bend Saturday night in a game that most of you aren't going to watch because you'll be watching the more compelling game, which is Alabama-LSU. Here's my Clemson's only, going up there and losing. My pushback, though, Borky, comes from the standpoint that I can't unsee things that I have already seen. I saw Marshall not just win, but push Notre Dame around in Notre Dame State. I know there was a quarterback injury. I know that was Drew Pine coming in for the first time. I also saw them lose to Stanford at Notre Dame Stadium. They did. I... Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe you're right. We'll see. Buddy, this is why I get paid the big bucks, all right? Yeah, okay. And and if you're right, you can crow about it. I'm not saying necessarily that you're wrong. I'm just not nearly as adamant about it as you are. I think it's going to happen. I agree. And I hope it does happen, not because I'll send about a dozen text messages after it happens. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Because chaos, man. I I think this season has delivered so much, right? Remember the angst about NIL and transfers ruining college football. College football has been awesome this year. It has been Mm -hmm. awesome. And also, it feels like we've talked about there's some vulnerabilities. Now, the cream's rising to the top, right? Ohio State seems like they have a... I mean, they're going to be favored at home against Michigan. They're not losing until that game. So Ohio State's going to be there. Georgia's there. So we get some of the same. But it feels like vulnerability at the top is real, and chaos is is possibly real. The old back in June, oh, well, we know who's going to be in the playoff anyway. It's going to be Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia and Oklahoma. This year feels so far like that is not a given. We're sitting on November 3rd, and I don't know who's going to make the playoff. There's 10 teams that Which can make the nice playoff. Which is nice for a change. Yes. Here's the only thing that I'm really hoping going into this weekend. I'm hoping that the Wi-Fi on my flight from Philadelphia to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Memphis on Saturday night is good. Because there's a lot of good football. and It would stink to not get to watch any of it. I have pretty good layover in Charlotte, too. So I'll be able to, I know I'll be able to catch some of what's going on. Um... When you really dive into Tennessee's numbers, they're kind of eye-popping. We were talking about Tennessee and Georgia with Wes Rucker a little while ago. Here's a couple for you. Jalen Hyatt has nine 40-plus yard receiving plays this season, which is number one in the nation. It's more than 117 FBS teams' entire total this year, and it's more than 12 SEC teams total this year. Also, 
Tennessee's run defense is good. They are allowing just 93 yards per game on the ground, which is number nine in the country and number two in the SEC. They held LSU to 55 yards rushing, Alabama to 114, and Kentucky to 107. And one more number about Tennessee, 20 straight games for Hendon Hooker with a touchdown pass, which is a record at the University of Tennessee. No quarterback has ever thrown a touchdown pass in 20 straight games. It's also tied for the lead nationally. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next. Best. best. Sports Talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, which is going to be a better game? Tennessee at Georgia or Alabama at LSU? Look, look, look into the future. Which game on Monday afternoon are we going? Wow, what a game. Tennessee at Georgia. Okay. That's my pick. I think that I think that's going to be an outstanding football game. I think it'll be similar to the one that was between Tennessee and Alabama. Maybe not as high scoring, but plenty of it. Lee's final score surprised me a little bit. What was he? 40... 48-34. 48-34? Yeah. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Especially I mean, with Georgia's defense, but I think Tennessee's offense can, can score on them. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ned, you sent us the message late last night um, that we, we got news reporting confirmation that John Cohen is not going to be attending the Mississippi State-Auburn game in person on Saturday. That is correct, per a source, per my friend, uh, John Sokoloff with WCBI News, who reported okay. that uh, he had a source that said that uh, John Cohen would not be there in person. He might be in Starkville that day, but he will not be at the game. Is that the right move or no? I don't think it's the right move. Um, but, I mean, I, I get, I kind of get where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, you took this job. You, know, you Nobody made you take it. Yeah. So... Go out there and represent your athletic department. I think part of that is with Cohen, and I don't know if you've noticed it, always on the sidelines, never up in the box. Maybe he just doesn't want to be out there on the field, and and you know, because he would be subject to to at least some heckling, I would think. Well, and sit in the box. You know, but it, that's what I, that's what I say. Put your orange pullover on, come to the game, sit in the box, get on the bus, go home. But not gonna happen. Ad's don't ride the bus. Well, well that's not true. I guess sometimes. on the plane. I don't care. Yeah, I guess sometimes but on the plane. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't care what you do. But you know, you should be at the game. You took this job. I, I, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, I kind of agree with that. Like, okay. I mean, is it an uncomfortable four hours, five hours from the time you get to the stadium until the time you leave the stadium? Maybe, maybe a little bit. 
I mean, but, the people who are making it uncomfortable are people you don't know. Like you said, when you, if he's up in the well, press box, nobody's going to jump him. Nobody's nobody's going to, you know, the people who don't like him, the people who want to hold a grudge, they just won't speak. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to get in a, we're not going to have a Pier 6 altercation up there in the press box. You know, If we do, though, I will get video while I scream world star at the top of my lungs. Yeah, Mr. I promise uh, we'll get a days. lot of engagement. We'll get a lot of engagement on these Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter and Facebook pages with my live video of an all-out Donnybrook in the in Mississippi State press box. I, I promise. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I'm I can stand on a table without collapsing it, but I'll try. <laughs> Just maybe use a chair. Yeah, maybe well, a chair's no better. The table's got four legs. You know, they're, they're, it's the steel and all that. Chairs yeah, my, are just my, most chairs actually little, have four legs. Flimsy. Also, the the two leg chairs are are they are a o- risk. I understand. You're overthinking it. You're overthinking yes, but, it. But but tell me more about these chairs. You're that overthinking don't have four it. Legs. I'm just saying. You're overthinking it. You see what I'm trying to say? You're like my wife. Just let me let me rant. All right, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, Borky, agree or disagree? He should be at the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to disparage somebody for taking a job that they think is better. Whether or not you think it's better, it, it's not the point. Um, it, it's his life. It's his career. He can do what he wants. It's free society. Do whatever you want. Um, he's not slighting anybody by leaving them either. But um, toughen up and go to the game. Yeah. If somebody in the press area has some words for you, take them. It, it, it's funny, right? It, you know, if you're, if you're so afraid of that, it makes you look a lot better if somebody does confront you and you handle them with grace. Exactly. Sorry you feel that way. I wish you best of luck with what you're doing, and I'm, I'm going to go now. That's all you got to do. And you look like a gigantic person, and the person that's bothering you looks very small. George in West Point says, what if Mike Leach moves to Auburn as well? But we'll have to find some employment because it won't be football, Coach. <laughs> okay. Bob and Pontotoc. Thank you for making me laugh today. Bob and Pontotoc says, good afternoon, gentlemen. How much of a pay bump did John Cohen get? Uh, $400,000 a year? More. $400,000 a year more, yes. Yeah, he said how big of a pay bump. Yeah, oh, and over five years, that's $2 million. Just, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's not really that big of a raise. Yeah. I, uh, it's two million dollars over the course of five years. Okay. That's a let lot me, of money. Let me, let me give you a four hundred k raise and tell me that's not a lot of money. Any yeah. of you who are listening, it, it, Hunter, in, Hunter in Columbus says, "Be a man and go to the game." He acts all tough, but he's too scared to come watch Auburn get smoked by his alma mater. Somebody says it'll cause a distraction. What? There's a football game going on. He's sitting he's in a box. Playing. Yeah. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. In the morning. He wakes up in the morning. I already said that. 
Hey, Dave. Sports Talk Mississippi, Thursday afternoon, 5 o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Get in on the action. Have yourself a good time. Food, drink, interactive gaming. Get those crystal betting terminals. Get the easy-to-walk-up-to place-your-bet terminals. You can go to the cashier stand if you want to. A little human interaction when you place your bets. You can do it all at the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You want to yank on a slot or two or press a button, play a little poker, craps, blackjack, whatever it is you want, you can get it all at the Golden Moon. You does like anybody you still pull something? the slot? Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, does anybody yeah, still do that? Everybody you know, pushes the button now. I, I don't think they actually do, and it's disappointing. I uh, you know maybe it was leading to uh, arthritis in some of the slot clientele. I, I don't know. Maybe Carpal just, tunnel. Well, that that as well. Perhaps. I feel like you'd get carpal tunnel more from just wrist action there, just hitting the button over and over, as opposed to the like full shoulder elbow you're pulling the arm. Uh, but we digress. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can uh, join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Time right now for the college football fix. to you by your local Mississippi Ford dealers. College football fix driven by Ford. Test drive the F-150. 45 straight years, F-Series has been the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Lee, excuse me, Reese says, hey, can you tell us about Lee's picks? Missed that earlier. Sure. He had Clemson over Notre Dame. Covering. He had Georgia covering against Tennessee covering. and Athens, covering the eight. Mm-hmm. I believe 48-34 was the score he picked there. He had Alabama winning but not covering in Baton Rouge, said that should be a six-and-a-half or seven-point line, not 13-and-a-half. And he had Mississippi State winning by 10, which was not a cover against Auburn on Saturday night in Starkville. Those were Lee's picks. All right. Let us talk a bit for a moment about NIL. It has been a hot topic in particular this week for a couple of reasons in the state of Mississippi. And when I say NIL, we are specifically talking about collectives. The Bulldog Initiative in Starkville, the Grove Collective in Oxford. It has been an extraordinary week to two weeks for the Grove Collective, and it has been an extraordinary four days for the Bulldog Initiative. What has sparked the growth? I think it's two different things, but the same kind of general topic, right? Ole Miss fans seem to be reacting proactively Wait. Proactively That's, reacting. They they are acting proactively. Uh, whatever. 
All these fans are being proactive when it comes to Lane Kiffin. They have heard that Auburn has lots of money sitting in an NIL collective that is just waiting to be spent on an incoming recruiting class. And Ole Miss fans seem to want to try to preempt that being a reason for Lane Kiffin should the opportunity arise taking the Auburn job. And the Grove Collective has seen kind of exponential growth in the last week or two. Mississippi State may be a little more reactive, but exponential growth nonetheless. They have gone over a 1,000 members, and that was a number that at the beginning of this week, hey, Dad, was, it was less than 500, right? Oh, it was around 200. Okay, so there were a couple of hundred members at the beginning of the week, and then mm-hmm. the story came out that John Cohen, part of the reason he was leaving, true or not, part of the reason he was leaving was that Mississippi State was not getting it done in the NIL space, and then you mentioned yesterday uh, him in, in being quoted as saying that there was less than a million dollars raised, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 no, no, that's not true. And now we've seen some pretty rapid growth with the Bulldog Initiative. And you also had uh, yesterday the interim athletic director, Bracky Brett, uh, tweeted out just a message to Bulldog fans and mentioned specifically giving to the Bulldog Initiative. Uh, so, you know, it makes me wonder. I don't know. I'm no, I'm no marketer. But maybe mentioning it every now and then is useful yeah. as a tool for growth. And that's why I wanted to talk about this. Because despite the the refutation of the reports, the the numbers that the collectors are putting out there, it's clear that that Mississippi State is behind. They're behind Ole Miss. And if they're behind Ole Miss, they're behind almost the, the rest of the SEC. And for Ole Miss, a 400% growth in a week is awesome. My question is, what the heck took you so long? Why did it have to be Kiffin might go to Auburn or Cohen insulted you on the way out the door to get you to realize that the reason players are picking schools is because of that? Why did it take this to get people to understand that at this scale? I understand it's new and all that stuff, but man, could you imagine what last recruiting class could have been? Had you had 3,000 members in the Grove Collective? Had you had over 1,000 members in the Bulldog Initiative? Why did it take Cohen's a jerk and Auburn's going to try to steal Kiffin for you to realize this is the most important thing that you can do as a fan? The most important thing you can do as a fan is giving to NIL if you want your teams to win. I think from MSU's perspective, a lot of it was uh, they didn't know. I think that you know, your hardcore message board and social media types knew. But the 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 thing I've been seeing a lot on those message boards where people are like, yeah, I'm telling my friends about the Bulldog Initiative, a lot of them didn't know. They didn't know. This is, the university has not done a great job. You think back a few weeks ago to Ole Miss when they had that massive press conference to announce the Grove Collective, there hasn't been anything like that from Mississippi State. I think there probably will be in the, in the near future. And also forget, don't forget that... Mississippi State's first foray into NIL 
was run by a now defunct group that decided from the beginning they wanted to focus on baseball. I mean, that put state behind huge, and it also, when you have something like that, and I speak from experience on this one from, from a previous job, something like that poisons the well. And what I mean is, when you have a group that immediately goes under like that, which is what happened, and then you come back with a new group and you try to ask for money, the first thing people say is, wait a minute, I already gave money to this other group, and now they're gone. What, why would I give to you? That I've been told that put State massively behind, was the, the failure of the legacy group to, to, to get, get any traction. It just, it just now, and I think there's some spite involved for sure, but I think for the most part, the, I think that tweet yesterday from the university played a huge role. I think a lot of Bulldog fans who follow Mississippi State social accounts started looking like, what is the Bulldog initiative? What can I do? And it started piling up from there. Bracky Brett's tweet yesterday was, countless people have contacted me to offer their support and to ask how they can help Mississippi State uh, Mississippi State's athletic department during our period of transition to a new athletic director. My answer to each of them has been consistent. Be optimistic, be present, and vocal at our games, and support the NIL efforts of our friends at the Bulldog Initiative. Good. That's then, from Bracky yeah. Brett, who is acting as the interim director. And By like, the way, good guy, too. Bracky's a really good guy. Love him. The, the interim period is off to a good start. Because we is. get this message here. People shouldn't have to give this money, and players shouldn't have to be bought. Do you want to win or not? Do you want to win or not? It's that simple. Because if, look, in the state of Mississippi. And I'll tell you this. But I'll say, you know, again, I, as a message board consumer, there are a lot of people who talk like that on those boards. And yesterday they were changing their tune. Good. They're like, I, I see now this is the way forward. We have to do this. If I, you know, I am a Mississippi State fan. If I want my team to win, I have to do this. If you believe that you're not willing to do that, well, that's fine, but you might have really good seats in a uh, in a stadium that were not a very good team. Get a message on the uh, C Spire text line. So Ole Miss has the Grove Collective and the Oxford NIL Club. Is one better than the other? I joined both. I, I I don't know honestly much about the Oxford NIL Club. Here's what I do know: everybody in the Ole Miss athletics department is pushing one thing, and that's the Grove Collective. So. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Just a little inside here on those NIL clubs that are, uh-huh. you know, there's the the Oxford one. There's one in Starkville. There's one. They're, they're everywhere. That is run by some third-party organization, and they take a, a, a percentage. I think in the state's case, it was like 18% of all donations. They take that right off the top for, for the, the company itself. Gotcha. So what I would tell you is if, if your university is pushing a specific collective, that is the one you want to send money to. And now state law allows them to work together. Yes. So hey, I would expect to see more 
and, and promotion. Let's do, let, let's do a little public service. We we are not telling you to spend money or not, but if you are interested in supporting the NIL efforts in Starkville or Oxford, in Starkville for Mississippi State, it's bulldoginitiative.com. That's a lot of I's and T's in there. Spell check if you need to. Bulldoginitiative.com. If you are interested in supporting Ole Miss's NIL effort, it is thegrovecollective.com. That the at the beginning of it is important. Thegrovecollective.com. So that's the best way to go in there and make a donation. And both of those are growing, right? I mean, there was a tweet uh, that that Bulldog Initiative had now gone over a thousand members. Um, there is actually a member counter on the Grove Collective website now, and they're at 2,220 members. So I just got a text, for whatever it's worth, uh, that counter they update manually, it's up over three now. They're over 3,000. Oh. Apparently so. Okay. So. It's another good day at the office then for the Grove Collective. And, and what's fascinating about this, right, and what I, th- I think is actually kind of cool because people are talking about the cost and cost. And I talk about cost all the time. Cost to go to games is crazy. It is. But what these two groups have done is because it's not um, pricing you out. If you're the little guy, and there's a lot of the little guy out there in terms of financial capability, you can still be a part of something for a very, very, very small amount. And so, and, well, and let's see, the, what, what's the entry level donation? If you click on the donate, um, I tried to research this earlier. I believe for state, hey, Dad, correct me if I'm wrong, is five a month. It could be. I'm more. not 100 percent sure on that, but it's a small amount, and and for Ole Miss, I, I believe it's 21. It's 21 dollars a month is is the entry level. Now you can make a single contribution, I think, of any amount, but if you're signing up for a monthly. Uh, a recurring donation, it's $21 a month. And that's so, that's how you're going to be I'm successful, actually, is the crowd amount. I was talking with someone I know who has worked in various levels of government and probably smarter than I am when it comes to financial things, and I asked him a question earlier this week. And there are probably some that would immediately push back and be like, oh, Richard, that's not what that money is intended intended for in the case of I'm going to talk about Oxford and Ole Miss for a second but please understand that I am not saying this is unique to Oxford and Ole Miss it's just where I live and it's where I went to school you could replace Oxford with Starkville and you could place Ole Miss with Mississippi State I asked my friend a question I was like Tell me this. What is the biggest economic driver for the city of Oxford? It's not a trick question. It's a successful football team. There is nothing that drives the Oxford economy more than a successful football team. And if you want to go larger than that, you could just say a successful athletics program. Nothing brings people to Oxford more than people who are coming to town for Ole Miss sporting events. You've got eight home regular season baseball weekends. you got, what, 16 home basketball games. 
Now, there, there are obviously other events, other reasons that people come into Oxford. But that brings the most people who go to hotels and fill up hotels and fill up restaurants and all those things. And so the question that I asked was, what's the city doing to support the NIL efforts? And now this is where like people might push back and might say, oh, no, you're stepping on toes a little bit. But I can make an argument, and I know that the, the local Oxford Chamber of Commerce put together um, an early NIL deal that was rolled into the Grove Collective. I just wonder if the people who make decisions at the leadership level in Oxford, and I don't know that the city could necessarily give directly to it, but should they be allocating money into the Chamber or Visit Oxford or the Economic Development Foundation or somewhere and have them then turn around and contribute from their budget to an NIL fund. And, and I don't know what that number is, right? I don't know if that number is $50,000 or $500,000 or $2 million. But I'm not sure where you would get a larger return on investment for the city than trying to help you continue to have competitive athletics teams that bring more people and bring more national publicity. And again, I'm talking about Oxford and Ole Miss specifically, but the exact same thing could be true in Starkville. Do you, do you feel that maybe a, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, forgive my political ignorance, but basically to pass to vote on a, maybe a, a, an increase in sales tax? With that money specifically well, designed to go directly to the collective? Okay, so, I, I mean... Yes, you could do that, but that's far more complicated than it used to be. When you do a sales tax increase, there is a sunset period that exists. So it is not a forever, with a few exceptions. So when Ole Miss built Oxford University Stadium at Swayze Field in 1988-1989, they implemented a food and beverage tax. It was a tourism tax, basically, where there was a 1% tax increase, and that went to cover the city's portion of the contribution to the stadium. But it did not have a sunset clause in it. At the time, the legislature didn't have that in place. And so Oxford has been allowed to keep that in perpetuity, and that goes largely to fund the city's tourism budget and other special projects. If a city or a county at this point puts in a special sales tax deal, one, it has to be approved by the legislature, and two, it has to have a finite time period on it. I may not have all all of the details exact on that, but it's something that would have to be voted on and approved and then would have to have an end date. So you say it goes to, to tourism. Could that just be changed? So you keep the same tax you have on the books, but we say now we're going to funnel that money. Some, and funnel's a bad word, I know, but we're going to send that money somewhere else, that else being the Grove Collective or the Bulldog Initiative. Because it feels like it's you're just sort of investing in yourself at that point, right? We invest in better athletes for our, our programs. We have better teams. We have more wins. More people come to town. More people eat at restaurants. More people shop. It feels like it takes care of itself, right? 
I would argue that that is yes. The answer to that question is yes. You, you, and, and again, I mean, I, I think that you, you are investing in the largest economic driver for your city. I think it makes a lot of sense. That's just me, though. It's very um, interesting. If nothing else, I mean, it's... I never would have are, thought about that had you not the, said it. The, there's probably a different route where I should have presented that idea, but I just thought, you know what, let's just talk about it on the radio. I said 1%. It's actually a 2% tax in Oxford. Yeah. Um, Kevin says, probably completely against the law, but how about an NIL tax of 1% on lodging and restaurants only on home football game weekends? And, and again, Kevin, it, it's not just as simple as, hey, let's enact that. You, you, you can't just self-impose taxes. That has to be cleared through a lot of different channels. But I do think, uh, again, I think you could make a really strong argument in the case of Oxford and Starkville that when you look at budgeting for the coming year, and you'd have to figure out the, the proper above-board way to do it, but I think you could absolutely allocate a certain uh, an increase to a budget of your local tourism outlet. I mean, Visit Oxford is a sponsor of ours on the show, right? We talk about them all the time. Sports Talk Mississippi, by the way, brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com and uh, follow them on their social media channels as well, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. But if you allocated whatever the number is, $500,000 to their budget with the understanding that that is then going into an NIL fund, and then you can do you, you can go different ways. You can take student-athletes and then use them for specific advertising purposes through a corp anyway we'll see sports talk mississippi sports sports talk mississippi you know i love sports on super talk mississippi Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. bunch of messages on the C Spire text line about the uh, conversation we were having before the break. Uh, this one comes from it's a 901 number. Uh, David in DeSoto County. He says, I'm a member of the Grove Collective, completely, though, against giving public funds to NIL as an economic incentive for the city. While, you're, while your argument is moderately valid... That's not what taxes are for. This should be completely private. Just my two cents, no pun intended. That is <laughs> that's that, such that, a good pun. Yeah, that, that, that was actually quite well put, David. Um, yeah, my response would be that public funds support private ventures all the time, and this is not really any different. And and I said when I put this, we started talking about this. I, this would be something that would get immediate pushback from lots of people. I think Nashville is kicking $700 million into the new stadium project. Not because they want to spend $700 million, but because they do want a new stadium to bring a Super Bowl, Final Four, more concerts, more massive events to Nashville to continue to support what is a thriving economic tourist destination. 
The renderings look like a giant top golf, and once somebody told me that's what it looked like, I can't unsee that. Well, I mean, you still call the stadium in Vegas a Roomba. Because <laughs> it's a giant Roomba. It looks like a Roomba. So we got a couple of questions, and somebody texted me about this as well. It's like, well, what happens to the facilities projects? They're not a priority right now. It, it could regress back to the mean. Maybe it does. But you don't have to have the best facilities anymore. You just got to have adequate ones. They, they can't be the roof can't be caving in and there's leaks everywhere and your your weight room equipment is falling apart. You got to be up to date there. There are other reasons why players choose schools besides just money. Recruiting is still important. You've read I've read a lot of stories about players saying that they were offered more to go to a different place, but they liked the the school they chose better, and so that's where they went. But the priorities have changed. They have. This is priority one in most recruitments, and so you don't have to have the super duper nice, you know, locker room with a fountain and a seventy-inch TV above every locker. You don't have to have that anymore. You got to make sure you can take care of the player. So, so let's let's think about this, right? I mean, so in Mississippi State's case, the stadium looks better than it has ever looked. Mm -hmm. It still needs some work and some few things, but yeah. The, the west side, there, there's some work that needs to be done there. But it is absolutely adequate. There's a football-only building at Mississippi State. There's a better uh, locker room for Mississippi State football than they've ever had that's in the stadium as well. They're in pretty mm-hmm. good shape. Brand-new baseball stadium. They're, they're doing Humphrey Coliseum right now. Yeah. At Ole Miss, they just announced, what, at the Sugar Bowl last year, the – 280, 350 million, whatever the number was, project for athletics. And then they followed it up with an announcement that said, hey, we're going we're gonna to put the stadium piece of this on pause as we evaluate the changing landscape as it pertains to NIL. There's a finite amount of money out there that people can give, and you can't give to everything and have everything be good. And so they're doing some phased stuff, right? The Manning Center was priority number one. They started that, and it's well on its way which is new locker room, new weight room, new coaches' offices, tying all that together right there on the the south end of the stadium. They're going with the new softball facility. They're moving forward with that. There was some baseball stuff in there. We'll we'll see where that ends up falling. I mean, you know, baseball's coming off a national championship. Does that push? But the big piece of the entire across-the-board facilities plan was football. And it was a couple hundred million dollars. And, oh, by the way, this is the worst time in the last 50 years to be trying to do a major construction project because prices have gone through the roof and the cost of borrowing money has gone through the roof. So they press pause on that, put more of a focus on NIL, and they're going to circle back to the stadium. There may be some temporary stuff they have to do without doing a tear down the west side of the stadium and completely rebuild it. Rebuild it. But this is what my I have a cousin. You guys know him. He runs the message board to Six Packs Peak. Mm-hmm. And he uh, his plan was this, and this is what he's doing. He, what? I started to say his name, but I didn't know if I could do that or not. Now listen, we don't need to do all that. But... Everybody, who, if you donate to the Bulldog Club, if you donate to the Loyalty Foundation for your tickets, right? Almost everyone who does that has like, okay, I, this is how much I pay for the tickets. This is what my donation has to be for me to get the seats I want. But a lot of those people just say, hey, donate over that, right? Don't. 
donate what it takes to get your tickets, and then the rest of that, send that over to NIL. That way you're donating the same amount of money, and you're still getting the same tickets you've always enjoyed, but now you're helping out your NIL and hopefully I, helping out your, your the, 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 the product you're getting to view. I'm not 100% sure that leadership in Starkville and Oxford would sign off on that particular – because, look, the foundations well, they don't support really the have activity. A well, yes, but there still is a role that the money that's raised through the Bulldog Club and the OS Athletics Foundation, there, there's still a pretty important role that that plays in – the, the budgets of the athletics department. No, no question, but that is a way that it, I'm not. I'm not worried about the administration. I'm worried about you know Joe Fan, who's like, I want to donate, but how do I? I don't want to give extra money. There, there's a avenue for you to do it. Mike in Madison says a Mississippi State fan living in Oxford might not want his taxes helping the University of Mississippi. Well, that might be accurate, but that same Mississippi State fan that lives in Oxford. Benefits from a great public school system, from all of the other things that Oxford benefits from, based on revenue coming into the community, largely tied to athletic success. And so that person can probably get over it. Yeah, you, you, you still get benefits. I mean, you know, you're still going to get the good restaurants and the good, the good places to go, and the good shopping. It's slightly different, but they're, they're, my hyper-local, hyper-local politicians, not the biggest fan of, truthfully. But they do good jobs, and I directly benefit from that. So I can't complain. There, there are yeah. things that they do that I don't like. But the way they run where I live is very good and efficient, and therefore I suck up the stuff that I don't like, and I deal with it because I get a benefit and I, I benefit from that, and so I deal with it, and I don't complain. Yeah, Hunter and Bahalia says, "Can you imagine the NIL money around Archie Manning in 1969?" Oof. Dude, Zion would have been a multi-millionaire I mean, for six months at Duke. Well, wait, wasn't he already? Especially, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zion's something because he's so it's so recent, right? You go back in time to like Archie Manning, I and mean, he might own like a huge chunk of. What is the biggest company in Mississippi right now? I mean, he might be like on the the, the board with forty eight percent of their stock at this point in his life. <laughs> Dan in Hattiesburg says, "Could the school add an athletic fee to its tuition?" Southern Miss charged sixty dollars per semester to build the Pain Center years ago, and he said, "By the way, those funds at USM were voted upon by the student body." I think you but get you can't because kind the school of can't, can't. Well, the school can't donate. Right. So At least as it those things can go for right facilities, now. but yeah. Right. Um Bowen Indianola, I think this was in response to the, the message earlier about, you know, I don't want to contribute to this and I don't want to pay players. Bo said in this day and age, if you're not going to pay your players through NIL, you're gonna have a six and sixteen. And, and now he was trying to take a shot at state at the end of it, but you know, I'll I'll take that off of it and say What? Yeah, well, and you still, you know, that still might happen. That's five-year-old. What what happens in sports sometimes? Ask Texas A&M. But and what's so different about Mississippi is, let's be honest, when it comes to Ole Miss and State, we don't have what they have at Texas A&M 
here, we don't have what they have even in Louisiana because it's a one-trick pony in that state. It's LSU and that's it. So the people in charge do have to be more creative because just dollar for dollar, fan for fan, Texas A&M is going to beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State every time. Not on the football field. Ole Miss and State dominate Texas A&M on the football field. But in recruiting an NIL, you dominate, ha- dominate, own Texas A&M, own them. But in the recruiting space, the, the people in charge have to be creative and find different ways to do this and fans have to be have to be willing or else the gap that already exists between Mississippi and Texas will get wider. You have to find creative ways to close the gap. You never will completely, but you can get closer. Yeah. Um I, I saw, I don't know if it was on the Grove Collective's website or in somebody that was talking about it or whatever, but somebody you know, equated it to the Jello Shot Challenge. Like, you, you turn it into a competition and Ole Miss fans would be like, yeah, give me a tray of Jello Shots. In some ways, I think the fact that it's become such a hot topic in Oxford and in Starkville with Ole Miss and with Mississippi State, and in some ways they're kind of competing against each other, in terms of trying to build this thing up, is probably good for both sides. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Let's go, let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays with Gerard Gibbert and Sports Talk Mississippi will be in downtown Starkville tomorrow. They'll be talking everything Starkville as these shows come to you live. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad will be there tomorrow. And uh, if you're in the area, stop by and say hello. They'd love to see you. And as uh, we mentioned yesterday, uh, Dr. Mark Keenum will join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Okay. And uh, while we would love to talk about some of the great things going on in Starville with him, I feel like there are more pressing issues, and we will talk to him about that on tomorrow's show. During National Family Caregivers Month, be sure to visit aarp.org slash ms or the AARP Mississippi Facebook page to find info and resources to help you on your caregiving journey. Don't forget tonight, uh, I'm sorry, tomorrow night, from 10 until 11.30, you've got the high school football scoreboard show from Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Companies. Will East and the gang will get you up to date with everything that happens in tonight's games in 1A, 5A, and 6A, plus the playoff matchups that are happening tomorrow night in 2A, 3A, and 4A. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. And don't miss out on the Collegiate Collection. You can find the full range of offerings that they have on their website, genteelapparel.com. Ole Miss gear, Mississippi State gear, Southern Miss, Alabama, Auburn, Missouri, Louisiana, and more. That's genteelapparel.com. Um, 
BetOnline.ag has updated odds for the next Auburn coach. You want to gamble on that? You can gamble on just about anything. Longest odds among the coaches that they have available, Mike Gundy at plus 2500 Bet $100, Mike Gundy named the Auburn coach, you win 2500 Matt Campbell is at plus 1400 Matt Rule is at plus 1200 And then there's a little Mississippi flavor on the next three. Deion Sanders at plus 700 Lane Kiffin at plus 275 Liberty head coach, another guy that used to coach in the state of Mississippi, Hugh Freeze, at plus 250. And Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator at Baylor, currently an assistant on Dave Aranda's staff, at plus 100. He is the odds-on betting favorite at this point to become the next Auburn coach. Kiffin would be great for content. Freeze would be great for humor. Grimes would be... Fun from the other side of humor, dark humor, of watching Auburn fans melt down that they hired an offensive coordinator. And I've been trying to keep up with Auburn media and stuff. And you don't take gambling odds on coaching searches that seriously. They, not, they, not, not at this stage of the game. No. But there, it feels like. Some people are softly kind of letting fans know that it's possible. So it's possible. Just know that it's possible, guys. Just know that it's possible. Please don't kill me Grimes, if it happens. Grimes is a very Cohen hire. Hmm? He's an Auburn man. Very Cohen. This is very, very Cohen. Hey, I won $4 in the Powerball last night. Hey! Adding to that cross money every day. All right. <laughs> Did you immediately turn around and buy more lottery tickets? No, uh, no. That, that means I'm only $6 <laughs> in the, the hole on, on those yesterday. So. Like, here's the 50 bucks you just won. Great. Sell me another $60 worth. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> they love people like us. One point. <laughs> that's, that's not fair to us. $1.5 billion is the estimated jackpot for the next drawing that comes up on Saturday night for the Powerball. The cash value is $745,900,000. You would never see me again. <laughs> you're, you're, you're that guy, huh? I'd win, I'd send an email, well, Marky, Marky, hold and on you second. would you, never see me again. You say you'd never see me again when we talk about like a $2.5 million jackpot. It's true. Yeah. We definitely see him again for two and a half million because he might move away, but he's probably coming back to an Ole Miss game at that point. I would. You're gonna come back for a game. No, if I, if honestly, if I won two and a half million, I, I would keep working for a bit and and let that, you know, give that to a financial guy and let him make that money grow for me until I could then disappear. Mm-hmm. Two and a half's not enough to disappear. It can be enough to disappear later. Down the road. Yeah. 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 Eight percent annual return, which is very conservative. Compound interest; that money doubles every eight years. Yeah. So you work for twenty-four more years, Borky, and then you'd have what? Two and a half to five to ten. It'd be twenty million. Twenty-four years from now. That's disappear money. You could retire at fifty. 
Oh, yeah. It'd be good. Thanks for being with us. Fun afternoon. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow. Michael Borky and Haydad will make their picks. It'll be a Polk's Food Friday. Bruce Marshall will stop by and more. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.